When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the G1 Dallas post-show recap right here on Fightful. I'm Mr. Warren Hayes, and I will be accompanying you this evening. Sean Sean is not here. Sean is taking care of some mixed martial arts business on the other channel. So as so 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 you're stuck with me tonight, folks. But man, I mean, it, even if I am the guy who's going to be piloting this, we had a fantastic show tonight. I can't wait to talk about it. I want to thank you all for being here on Fightful. You know, if you want to, if you want to help out right now, a good thing, fantastic thing to do would be to go ahead and like the video, give it a thumbs up, and also share the link out. So get more people in here. Let, let's let let's just. Spread the word of Fightful everywhere, right? Right. And I'm sure not, I'm sure that you've been to Fightful.com before. And perhaps you even know that Fightful Select is the perfect way to support Fightful. You get all sorts of extra content, uh, uh, members-only podcasts. I do stuff over there. I do an NXT 205 Live NXT UK recap show every week. You have Sean, who does an extra podcast there as well. Steven Jensen, who does the Weekender where he covers non-WWE programming. You have retro reviews, Q&A sessions, Fightful Select. Check that out. It's the best way to support Fightful. And because the Fightful family keeps growing, we keep adding many things and many people as much as possible, such as tonight, we have a, a new face to the Fightful crew. And it is a... A, 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 it is a gentleman that I know very well. He, he, it is Jonathan Pilquist, JPQ, also known as Big Paws on a Pop Pup, the man who has way too many nicknames. He is also the host of the No Particular Angle podcast and also a big New Japan fan and connoisseur. And I'm very happy that he is with me this evening. John, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Excited. This was a show for the record books. People just getting into New Japan, they hit it out of the park tonight. I'm excited to talk about it with you, Warren. I appreciate you bringing me on. And I appreciate that Fightful, you know, gave me a gave me a shot here. So let's see how we do. Uh, you know, it's it, it, the, the, sh- the shot was easy to give because, uh, John, you always have fantastic insights and I can't wait to talk about it. The G1. First time... Starting off in well, first time ever in uh, in uh, in the United States, uh, and starting off uh, tonight in Dallas at the American Airlines Center. Look, let's talk about this. Let's just get this out of the way straight off the bat, John. It's a twenty thousand seat attend uh, arena. They evaluate at uh, nineteen thousand two hundred people for basketball, eighteen thousand for hockey games. There were a lot of empty seats in the arena tonight. And I'm not just talking about the parts that they should have tarped off right next to the, uh, on either side of the, uh, of the entrance ramp. Correct. Correct. Yeah. There was a big open gray space uh, on either side. I, I will tell you this. Uh, 
very ambitious come uh, Wrestle Kingdom last year where they announced Dallas and they were going to do it in American Airlines Arena and they were really going to play off the interest that people had uh, coming to New Japan in 2019. Didn't pan out for them as much as we thought they would from a ticket selling perspective, but I will give you, I'll give the crowd this. They came ready to, to support the wrestlers, uh, whether it was spacious or a big arena or how you felt over the television it came across like this crowd was alive. They were smart fans. They knew when to boo. They knew when to cheer. They knew the spots. They knew the wrestlers. Oh, yeah. And anytime you're going to get that in a ring, I don't care if they're just small, rabid fans or you have 20,000 people, you're in for a good show when when the crowd knows what they're doing and they knew what they were doing tonight. The crowd was indeed hot for this. They were ready. This is what they were, this is what they were waiting for. I mean, it, it, it's not as if there was like only like 500 people. It wasn't like, at you know uh, super clash awa uh, uh super clash three where there was like 1200 people in a 19,000 seat arena by the way fightfulselect.com if you want to check it out that retro review that sean and i did super awa super clash three it's a keeper um but yeah i mean you know the crowd was super hot throughout the, throughout the evening and man, were they hot for the main event we'll talk about that later though i'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> another thing that we that we learned tonight Fighting Spirit Unleashed is coming to the East Coast, our neck of the woods, John. September 27 to 29, going to Boston, New York, and Philadelphia. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're playing it maybe a little safer. Smaller venues. Yes. The Lowell Memorial in uh, Boston is about 2,800 people. Hammerstein is what, 2,200, 23, something That's like fair. that? Yeah, about 23. And uh, the 2300 Arena, formerly known as the ECW Arena, that's like 50 people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a thousand, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe 1200 to yeah. 1300 at the Sunday most. show, five o'clock, you know. So, I mean, it's interesting that they're coming over, uh, that they're coming over for that. I mean, it's a, it's a good sign. And I think that uh, I, you know, I don't know what you think, but the smaller venues is a good idea. Yeah, I think they're learning from their mistakes. They're they're going to test the market before they go uh, grand scale with it. I think it was smart. I like that they're doing a tour of Fighting Spirit in these three places. Uh, Northeast is a hotbed for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, as much as I watch a tremendous amount of wrestling, and and again, the Boston market always does well uh, with WWE. New York, obviously, Philly's always been a wrestling hotbed. But for them to be able to run this circuit over the course of a weekend in small venues and get you know, the fans that have been dying for the East Coast run, finally, from New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I think is like the first time, outside of New York, uh, WrestleMania weekend, it's like the first time in like seven years they've run the East Coast. This is going to be a treat for everybody who lives in that area, and uh, I will be going. Well, yeah, because you, you hang around them Philadelphia parts. I'm actually thinking of driving to Boston We'll see what happens. We have we have time to plan, but then there's not a lot of tickets, so you yeah. won't have that much time. Yeah, three weeks, pal. Figure yeah, out. there you go. Let's get right into it. Let's start talking about these matches. First match that we got this evening, we had the Gorillas of Destiny, the IWGP Tag Team Champions, defend, uh, defeating, excuse me, Rapongi 3K. Um, you know, it, there's an argument to be made, John. That the uh, that the uh, the tag team divisions in uh, New Japan should be combined, like just drop the the the, the weight classes, 
because there's not that many tag teams to begin with, and it's always kind of the same the the, the same matches then within the divisions. It was I thought it was kind of fun to see uh, Jod versus uh, versus Yo and Show, but uh, and, and to me it's just an extra argument to uh, towards uh, towards a merger of um, of those two divisions. I don't know what you think about it. Yeah, I think I would be okay with it. Uh, I like junior tag. Um, and conversely, I like the heavyweight tag scene when, when it's fleshed out a little bit more, which they've been lacking all year. There hasn't been an investment, shocker, in, in a wrestling promotion, but there hasn't been an investment in tag team wrestling the way it normally is in New Japan. Uh, G.O.D., we know we're going to get with them. Uh, to see Sho and Yo in there against them uh, once again, totally fine with it, totally fine with them leading the show. It's a good way to get them a check early. Uh, kind of got the crowd into it. We knew if you're accustomed to watching New Japan, you're usually looking for what match two ended up being, like Young Lions early, maybe mm-hmm. some New Japan dads coming in, and, and you let them mix it up and kind of warm up the crowd. Now, they came out guns a-blazing. You knew this was a special event. You knew you needed to get the tag teams on the card because you can't have it without, you know, Show and Yo, Rapongi 3K, and uh, uh, G.O.D. So uh, opening them with that short match, six and a half minutes, top somewhere in that range. And they went out there and they did what they do best. And they work really, really, really well together. And I was excited to see what they did. Um, could have, I would have been okay with 10 more or four more minutes, 10 minutes total. I thought they would have deserved. I mean, you just literally came across the Pacific. But either way, uh, I thought um, GOD played great to the crowd. I thought they showed in a high production value where you didn't really know what you were going to see right off the back, uh, that they did a, a smart um, thing kind of getting the crowd invested early, kind of hyping them up a bit, got out of there with a cheap win and off we go. There's actually, yeah, it was actually, it was, a, it, it was for, for the time that they had the, I, I thought both teams worked really, really well together. There was some quick offense by Rapongi 3K that they dumped uh, the uh, gorillas to the outside and followed by, uh, that was immediately followed by uh, stereo or semi-stereo topic on helos by, uh, by Owen show. Uh, the uh, G.O.D. get in control as, uh, as uh, Tama distracts. And uh, Tongaloa lariats the hell out of our uh, out of our Rapungi boys. Um, Tongaloa hits a beautiful slingshot senton, but the crowd is clearly behind Rapungi 3K. Like we said, the audience was really hot, and I think they were really excited just to get some wrestling going. And uh, and starting off with this was a really really good idea, as you pointed out. Uh, the um, Rapungi boys hit the backstabber into the Yakuza kick. Tama hits a stun gun out of nowhere as um, and uh, they follow it up with the super power bomb. And that is that. Girls of Destiny come out on top here. Um, just uh, as an interesting note, you know, I, I still think it's in, fascinating that they're there. I mean, New Japan, that they're still pushing Rapongi as a team, especially considering uh, all the uh, the buzz that came out of um, that that came out of. Uh, shows really, really great showing during the best of the Super Juniors tournament. How long do you think Rapongi have, John, before it's uh, lights out? Yeah, if you would ask me a year ago, I would have told you we're coming up on about six months from now. Knowing how thin that tag team division is on both sides, I don't think you have a chance to move. And plus, you, you really are backlogged with amazing talent, both in the mid card as well as in, in the, in the, um, uh, main event scene and a lot of big signings this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see them hang on to a tag team, at least through G1 of next year. 
Tim Traveler gave us a super chat and he uh, basically says, Mr. Warren Hayes, I want to bless you, my friend. Thank you very much, Tim. If you guys want to drop a super chat, I will read it out loud, your question, your comment. And especially if you have questions for John, John, John knows his stuff when it comes to, to New Japan. I would have um, used another word, but we got to watch our language. <laughs> Otherwise, YouTube is going to, well, Sean's going to get mad at me because we're going to get another video demonetized. So we're gonna, <laughs> just going to play it safe. Another one. Uh, another one. Uh, but thank you for the super chat, Tim. Uh, next, we had Jeff Cobb and Ren Narita defeating Never Open Weight Champion Tomohiro Ishii, my favorite wrestler, probably, and Shota Umino. This was a lot of fun. Cobb and Ishii go at it immediately. Cobb, uh, Cobb standing up to Ishii's offense, who early on starts selling Cobb's strikes, which was really, really cool. Cobb hits a drop kick, and as he's showboating, he doesn't realize that Ishii completely no sold the uh, the uh, the drop kick. So there's a really fun exchange here to start. Narita and Shota get in, and Narita gets a shoulder block, and Umino with a high speed basement drop kick follows. Narita eats uh, starts eating some Ishii chops that can never feel good. Tries to fight back, but Ishii is immobile. Like he's not even. It's not just no selling. He's a C. That I guess that's why they call him the Stone Pitbull because he just was not moving. Um, Cobb comes in uh, after a while and he hits some uh, some uh, release belly to belly suplexes on both Ishii and Umino. Ishii and Cobb go all strong style on each other until Ishii Germans Cobb. Umino uh, comes in uh, afterwards with a missile drop kick, tries to suplex Cobb, but he can't. He wears him down and finally pulls it off. Uh, we uh, we head towards the end here when uh, Cobb hits a standing moonsault and the tour of islands on uh, Umino for the win. And then afterwards, Ishii and Cobb go at it. And man, they are ready for their match on Saturday. Got to tell you, John, uh, this is this is the kind of wrestling storytelling that I like, where you just let two guys get in the ring and just l- just let the action set the story. I could not be more excited to see Ishii and Cobb go at it for like the third time in their history, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're on number three. And uh, to your point, this, you don't need much, right? That's the nice thing about the G1. You don't need much. You know that they're going to go after each other. You know there's a history there. So just let them go in there and slug it out post-match. Like all too often people get too creative, right? Because they don't think that type of uh, storytelling works anymore. But that's all we want. We very simple story. Let us follow it. Whether you're brand new or you've been watching for years, this is a great way to get people invested into next Saturday's match between the two, right? This is why people should be paying attention. If you're going to commit to the G1 this year, and I strongly recommend everybody does, this is the best time of the year, right? It's Christmas for wrestling fans is the G1. If you're going to invest in it, I would recommend that you watch these types of matches prior to the block matches that come later on the card. Because you will get nuance in storylines being told over the course of the entire month. And then you'll get payoffs along the way. And then bigger stories will be set up for the back six months. Cobb obviously is coming on a short ter- uh, short ter- uh, tour. He does great in Texas. I don't know what it is about him <laughs> and San Antonio and Houston and Dallas. But he always seems to be able to sell tickets. And I think it was a smart move by New Japan bringing him in for this tournament. I think it was a smart move for them putting him in. Uh, uh, block B so that he could represent uh, on the undercard here and kind of get the traction moving. 
uh, anytime you see the tour of the islands, I mean, come on, it's the best finisher, you know, it's the, it's anytime you see a super hefty weight, go out there and, and be able to pull a move like that. I'm a fan. And, you know, we saw uh, a good storytelling from them. On top of that, we got to see Umino and exactly what he's going to be in the future. I swear he's put on five pounds. Yeah. He has been getting bigger, right? He's getting bigger. Yeah. He is an absolute bona fide stud. He's going to continue to be. Uh, I don't think he's going to go on excursion. They don't do this very often, but I swear Ren Narita will go off at some point. He will go find his chops in CMLL or maybe impact depending on what impact ends up doing with access now. Um, But if he, but Shota, on the other hand, he should stick around and he should be able to begin to be built. And we're going to see him very shortly beginning to beat the, the likes of like a Toa Hanare and some of these under undercard people um, to get some uh, notches underneath his belt. And it's going to be very exciting when we do. Next, we had, <clears throat> excuse me, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, my least favorite wrestler, <laughs> defeating Jay White and Chase Owens. There's some stalling uh, from the heels at first and it ends up with White blindsiding Goto. But Goto fights back and crushes Owens with a forearm. Yoshihashi comes in, starts laying in some chops. I will give him that. They stung. Um, I got to tell you, John, you, you know, anyone who follows what I do over on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, or even on Twitter at Mr. Warren Hayes, plug, 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 uh, know that I like to refer to Yoshihashi as Yoshitrashi. Um, and it's, it's not a term of endearment. I don't like them. Um, but as far as commentary goes here, you know, the, this is not the first time that we hear them. They, and they were put, they were boosting it again tonight, talking about how, uh, he's a hard worker. He has heart, he has talent, but he can't get it together. John, we've been watching you Japan for a while. This is the story that they've been carrying with Yoshihashi for such a long time now at some point. When is he? When is it not going to be? Oh, he can't get it together. When is he going to get it together, John? He's not going to get it together. What? I mean, what? It's just, it's not going to happen. He is there to put people over. He is there to take the pin. He is there to allow, because again, he's very good at uh, match layouts. Like he, he he's a great fill in tag team partner. He meshes well with everybody. He's wrestled everybody on that roster for multiple years. Uh, his chemistry in the ring is great. Right. What he can't do is uh, carry a storyline. Right. He can't do prom- there's nothing marketable about the guy. I and mean, the guy's name is Yoshihashi for a reason. Right. Because of all that, he's always going to be a second tier uh, uh, faction player. And when that happens, you know, a lot like um, where we feel Tai Chi should be. But it, it's really where um, uh, Taka is. Right. Uh, it's, it's an opportunity for him to get in the ring, mix it up, do some nice things, good transitions, get a win every once in a while. It's a feel good. Right. Um, but his job is to get other people over and that's what he's pegged into doing is why he keeps resigning with new Japan. And it's why new Japan sees so much value in him is because he is a no ego guy. He is a workman. Uh, he is a guy that goes in there, uh, punches in, takes the beating, punches out every single day. He's the Bob Holly of uh, new Japan pro wrestling. I'm excited for, uh, you know, what they did in this match, but I'm never excited to see Yoshihashi, so. Well, there you go. Yeah. The uh, jewel heist isn't enough uh, to keep uh, Goto down. Um, uh, Jay White uh, hits a twisting brain buster, followed by flying knees by Chase Owens, who covers Goto, but Yoshihashi breaks up the pin. <laughs> and it all comes to an end. And it comes to an end when uh, Goto hits the 
Ushiguroshi and the, the GTR on Chase Owens, who was obviously there to take the pin. Yes. So, uh, so that was that uh, fun little match. And, you know, I, I have to say, I have to say, um, Goto showed a lot of fire. I don't know if it's just because he's, uh, they're, they're playing up his match, uh, against, uh, Jay White and he wants to just give it a little extra, a little extra oomph, but I was, I, I thought he looked good. Yeah. Goto is working his way back. Right. I'll tell you that. And I put this on Twitter as well. He's just knocking the rust off, right? He's been out for the game for a little while. He's coming back. Um, he's where he was working on a lot of transitions. If you watch the match and you watch it again, you can see there was a lot of different spots where he was pausing. I don't know if he was asking questions or if he was thinking out loud, but he was he was taking his time in the ring, and he's usually more fluid than that. So I would expect that as we progress through this tournament, you're going to see the old Goto come back. Uh, yes, he's hyping him versus Jay. I think that's smart. Uh, Goto is someone that usually averages, averages somewhere in the 8 to 12 range, uh, high 9s, 10s, uh, over the course of his career. I wouldn't be surprised if he can knock off Jay early. Um, either way, you should expect decent performances out of Goto through this entire thing. I mean, he's a legend in New Japan as it is. And I wouldn't be surprised if he walks away with four or five wins. Jushin T- Thunder Liger, Juice Robinson, and Toru Yano defeated Bushi Shingo T- Tagaki and IWGP Intercontinental Champion Tetsuya Naito. Did you know, did you realize that um, uh, th- due to his trip to uh, North America or the United States, Toru Yano is, uh, established himself as an ambassador, a tourist ambassador for the city of Noro- Noboribetsu. Did you know that, John? I did not know. That's why he was wearing the sash. He's an ambassador. Now, did you know that Noboribetsu is known, renowned for its hot springs? In fact, there is a, a, an area called Jigokundani, also known as Hell Valley. It's a beautiful valley that is said to be the gateway to hell. This is possibly because of all the bubbling steam vents and sulfur streams that are dotting the valley. Now, had it not been for Toru Yano, we would not have had this, this, this cluster of information, this, this moment of general culture that you don't usually get watching pro wrestling. So my hat is, I tip my hat to Toru Yano for his contribution to, uh, to our general knowledge this evening. You know, I'm always willing to learn, Warren, and God damn it, if I didn't just learn something there. So I appreciate that. I tip my cat to Gato because if you're going to book anybody against the three of Bushi, Takagi, and Naito, this is the lineup in America to do it. Yeah. Right? Liger, Robinson, Yano. It's three people. It's a legend. It's an American, and it's the greatest performer in comedy wrestling of all time, Toru Yano coming out there against everybody's, you know, cool kids on the bus, right? And so in, in that regard, Gato did his job for this match. The crowd is absolutely nuts for Liger, but they are equally nuts for Naito. You could you could really, really sense that they that the crowd was there for both these guys. And uh, Liger has a good first showing. Um, he, he, uh, Bushi is in with him early, rakes his eyes to get control of Liger, but Bushi eats a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker and then gets, 
uh, tossed into the Romero special, but the LIJ guys triple team Liger to break it up. And Liger is early on your baby face in peril here. Uh, you have a, a, a Juice Robinson then that eventually comes in. He's very vocal tonight, John, wouldn't you say? Tell us about how vocal Juice Robinson was tonight. Yeah, well, see, I will tell you for the for the brief time that we saw Juice Robinson in this eight minute match, mm-hmm. uh, he found himself in good positions to to do some nice things. Uh, he got his punches off well. He connected strong. He sold very well, and he played. He had a nice back and forth with the members of Lij. Especially with Tagaki, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, him and Shingo really went had a nice showing back and forth. And that we'll see that kind of develop over the course between now and, and I think they're like match five or six on the B block. But um, it was a strong showing for that, for all six members outside of maybe Bushi. I think he missed one or two spots. Uh, Juice in this instance, uh, outside of the wardrobe, which again, fruit stripe gum, you can't not see it once you know what's there. I, th- I thought they all kind of came to play. I thought it was good pacing, and I thought it was a smart way of using the ref to get the finish uh, with Yano picking up the uh, schoolboy roll-up for the win. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Juice, talking about Shingo and, and, and Juice going at it, uh, Shingo avoids the pulp friction and hits the uh, uh, Noshigami on uh, on Juice, but Juice kicks out of it. Uh, but And uh, we get a, a double hot tag here where... Uh, Juice tags in uh, Yano and uh, Shingo t- tags Naito in, and uh, early on it just he just, you know Yano just goes for the buckles. He doesn't want to do well, doesn't want much to do with Naito, and it does end when Yano low blows Bushi at Bushi, excuse me, as he pushes push Bushi pushes Bushi into the ref and cradles Bushi for the win. That was that nah, was a fun little match for what it was. Like you said, you timed it about eight minutes. Yeah, yeah, it, it was fine. But now let's get into the meat of the matter. Let's go right ahead and start talking about our A block matches. The first one that we got tonight. And honestly, I was excited for this one. And I was glad that I was excited for this one. Lance Archer defeated IWGP junior heavyweight champion Will Ospreay to score his first two points on the board. Archer charges Ospreay before the bell rings, but he... uh, uh, he eats a Spanish fly for his troubles uh, before the bell. And a corkscrew drive off the top turnbuckle to the outside. He, Archer goes back in and uh, and uh, Osprey hits a springboard 450. Covers Archer, but Archer kicks out at one. It's a hell of a start to this match, John. It was unreal. For the people that have been waiting for G1, you can't really ask for a better start. I mean, the, the first 90 seconds of this really kind of set the tone for what we expect as fans out of the G1. Well, Osprey coming out, boom, Spanish fly right off the bat, takes him outside, hits him with some crazy corkscrew crap, and credit the um, Axis, or yeah, the Axis uh, production team for making sure to get that wide shot, right? Because you saw him fly uh, to hit that corkscrew. Gets him back in the ring, boom, hits the 450, boom, one count. Okay, now we're ready to go. Um, and, uh, you know, speaking about things that you didn't expect, Lance Archer choke slamming Osprey through a table, like within the same, like 90 seconds to two minute time frame over the rail. I was not expecting that, that at all, like, especially not that early in the match, 
Archer works uh, over Osprey. He grounds him. He uh, hits a short arm lariat. He does the rope walk where he's sort of like, he goes around and he's like, mm, no, I'm going to go over there. So he walks all the way over there. I like that one better. Yeah, I like that one as well. Uh, hits a uh, clubbing forearm to his back. But Osprey, uh, Osprey fights back, hits the 619 Pip Pip Cheerio. Uh, he hits a high kick on Archer, but Archer shoulder tackles him down. And I like this spot a lot. And I think even commentary pointed it out because the shoulder tackle came from Osprey running the ropes, right? Mm-hmm. But instead of Archer running after him within the ropes, Archer sort of angled off to a corner and let Osprey just do the back and forth thing. And he just, he just came in diagonally and just creamed him. I really liked it. Um, he hits a buckle bomb and Elias, a last ride and an apron bomb on Osprey, a triumvirate of power bomb moves. We even got a muscle buster, John. A big one too. A big muscle buster. That was nuts. But even before that, we had Osprey uh, pulling out all of his big offense, the shooting star press, the Robinson special, the Oss cutter, he, he even a second Oss cutter can't keep your man Archer down. That's probably it's probably because he looks like a Mad Max wasteland uh, raider now. You know that happens. This was a fantastic match. Um, uh, Osprey even hits a top rope Spanish fly. Still can't put Archer away. Tries to go for the Stormbreaker. It's avoided with a series of kicks. It's avoided, but then excuse me, Osprey comes back with a series of kicks. A hook, a hook kick, still can't put Archer away, who hits a super top rope blackout, gets the iron claw pin combo in. And that, that to me, John, is the only problem that I have with Lance Archer. It's the, I lost my language. It's the stupid iron claw. I just, it, it was even dumb when the Von Erics did it. It's it's still dumb today. I I loved it. Ah. I loved I loved it because it was a callback to the Von Erics, and it's a callback to a Dallas uh, homeboy in Dallas, first G one. You know, in uh, in the state side, and and they're throwing back the history, and I'm okay with that because New Japan does that a lot. Uh, here's what. I liked so much about this match. Number one, I'm sure Osprey probably loved the fact that he was using uh, American-made tables and not Japan. Because <laughs> if that would have happened in Japan, he would still be on the ground right now. Um, to your point about the aesthetic that Lance Archer came out looking at, you liken it to Mad Max, I liken it to the Warriors. The dude came out looking like a New Japan character for the first time in his career. 19 years in the business, he's always played that Texas kind of vibe. Right, he's a strong boy, Texan uh, homebody. Mm-hmm. He came out this time. He shaved it again. Didn't need much. You put a little red on the pants. You, you shave half your head off. You then dye your hair magenta. Right. It doesn't take a lot to to really kind of transform your character. And those little tweaks, right? That wrestling fashion just put him in a position to where he's no longer Lance Archer, KES, right? Killer Elite Squad. Because now Davy Boy's gone. Right, so what are you going to do with Lance Archer? Because Lance Archer wants to be there, and you have a six ten guy who can fly around the ring and hold his own with Will Osprey, right? As well as the power and just the the the, the work rate of, of of Lance Archer. 
well, you put him in, a, you give him the opportunity to have a little bit of a singles run here, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how much this could lead to what? U.S. title, this could lead to open championship. This could just be a good showing for the next month. Either way, you brought viability to a guy that everybody thought going into this G1 was just a guy, it was just, it was just going to get jobbed out. And now, after beating Osprey in 18 minutes and holding his own for that, that entire pace. Mm-hmm. You have now set up an opportunity to build around this guy for the next month, and now he there are no guarantees when it comes to Lance Archer versus anybody in that block. And I no. like it. I, I like the idea that they threw in some unpredictability here because you know there are a lot of people who were you know who were, who completely wrote him off, but I didn't. I picked him. You picked him too. I did. He was our prediction, um, and, and it makes it makes sense to add just to have a, a little a little monkey wrench here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, Osprey's going to have, regardless of what happens, he's going to have a great G1. He's going to shine. He's going to look good. You know, do, does he need to have a huge winning record? I don't think so. I think, I think his showing in, in the, uh, uh in the best of super juniors was fantastic. I don't think he needs the G1 to be built. You know what I mean? Yeah, this should really be a. I know there's a lot of hype around Osprey, but this really should be a not at. This isn't going to be the Osprey tournament, right? No. There's a lot of people involved, but I will tell you this, Warren. Tell me this. this. This goes back to the to what New Japan does. Fifty fifty booking. We're not big big fans on here, right? That's Osprey true. got it against Archer in the New Japan Cup. We've seen a little, just a little tweak in in how Archer comes out, and now he gets his win back. Right? You put him in the open weight, you put Will back in the open weight, now you have a program you can build around with two guys that have proven that they can go out there and have stellar matches with one another, and maybe, just maybe, you can begin to build the open weight into something worth talking about again. I think it's important to point out that, uh, that Lance Archer and Will Ospreay have really good chemistry in the ring. So good. I'm, I'm, and, you know, I think that might be an advantage for Archer to play off, uh, to play off of Osprey like that. Um, because they work fantastically well together. Give me more of those two dudes. I'm completely okay with it. And uh, if you, if you're watching live right now, again, consider giving us a thumbs up, tweet out the link, send it out into your social media. That stuff always helps. It will also help us get through bad luck, folly, defeating evil. Oh boy. (laughs) What has happened? To our bad luck folly, you know, the uh, the Bullet Club OG, man, what's happened to him, John? Uh, well, he's put on about 20, 25 pounds. That's not an excuse. <laughs> what if you saw him 50 pounds heavier in 2018? Uh, he, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with bad luck. Uh, he was over, he was over just to, just to put on a show. I can't explain this match. I liked it overall. I like super hefty weight matches. I like guys that go out there and they bang around a little bit. They try to lift the heavier of the two. Two strong dudes going out there with a little bit of power. But man, it just didn't. It just seemed like of all the performances all night from everybody, including Evil, which we'll talk about in a bit with regard to his storyline. It just seemed like Bad Luck kind of phoned it in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't in shape, or he had jet lag, or he stayed up too late the night before. Or whatever the case may be, it just se- he didn't seem as crisp. Uh, he didn't he he didn't do anything that that resonated with me to say, hey, you know, he's here to perform. And I think it showed to not only us but the crowd as well. I I can get 
that you have to, um, that as a heel, your job is to slow things down. Your job is to bring, is to bring the, uh, the level of, uh, of action in the ring down. So when the babyface mounts his or her comeback, well, then the audience gets more naturally excited. I get that. But man, there is a difference between slowing it down and just bringing it to a crawl. Although I like the way this started with Evil going right after Folly before the bell, drags him up the ramp, runs him down with a lariat. Uh, he, tr- he tries to slam Folly, but uh, instead Folly delivers one of his own. Um, there's some strikes on the outside, but but that was it, you know? Like, I thought that, you know, uh, uh, as, far as, um, as far as being dragged out onto the ramp, I really thought that we were going to get something a little more uh, a, a, a little more, dare I say, hardcore, or at least you know, some more, so, so uh, some brawling from b- both of these guys on the outside. Um, Evil tries to body slam uh, Fale a couple of times in the ring without success, but eventually he does. Um, he uh, he hits a Bronco Buster. There's some shoulder tackles, some sentons. Fale try, tries to use the chair, but um, the ref holds onto the chair. And that sort of distracts Folly long enough for uh, Evil to kick it in his face, which I thought was pretty creative. Uh, Folly avoids uh, everything is evil and gets uh, gets a grenade in on Evil uh, and covers him. Who kicks out at 2.9? Evil does his ref hold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply holding leg spot but uh he um he lariat's folly but also accidentally takes out the ref and then there's chairs there's chairs all over the place evil goes for his baseball swing thing but it doesn't happen and folly does it instead the ref comes back in as folly hits the bad luck fall and it's two points for folly i too gimmicky for my taste too much too much uh, focus on the chairs where i think these both of these guys would have just been better off slugging it out. Just, just like you said, two hosses just slap slapping each other across uh, up and down the ring. I think that would have been much. It would have been much better served than all the shenanigans with the chairs. Really, yeah, lots of variability tonight with the different types of matches. So I was okay with them bringing some weapons in because I thought it added a little intrigue into something different than what we saw before and what we saw after. But two chairs. Like you need you need two chairs, and you're not going to use one of them. Like, and well, the I mean, do like, use you're going to hit the other. I don't. Like, I I get why because it's it, it it's evil to introduce the chairs, and I get why he does it because that's part of his shtick. He does the baseball swing thing, so I understood why he pulled them out. But I don't know. Look, it boils down to a question of taste at this point, you know. Uh, but uh, look, evil gets his first loss of the evening here uh, of the of the tournament. Um, how do you feel he's going to fare throughout all of this, John? He is going to get jobbed out. I don't have him any, winning any more than four matches, or uh, excuse me, two matches, uh, four points. Uh, it's going to be one of the lower end for Evil, and I think he needs it for his character. He was one of the most popular, still is. Uh, all of Lij really is, but he's he's one of the more popular 
wrestlers in New Japan right now. Ever since Zack Sabre Jr. back uh, last year when he went for the IC title before Jericho got involved, there was a lot of hype around him, and he's kind of cooled off a lot since. Yes, he won the tag team championship, but again, weaker division, same opponents, uh, 50-50 booking through that, switching the titles back and forth. And now you know where Sonata's kind of, since the New Japan Cup, he's going to start moving up. What do you do with Evil? So they made reference to it tonight that he's looking for new pa- uh, new looking for new partners. Mm-hmm. He's doing some of these cheap heelish, but again, like it's okay because it's New Japan. But he's doing some of these different uh, spots that you don't typically see him doing. Um, I'll tell you, I don't think that he's going to be the one leaving Lij, and we can save that for a little bit. I think ultimately his uh, he needs this month to kind of keep going the way it's going, the way it's trending. And then from there, we can get a nice flip of the script, a nice turn between him and Sonata, and then we can begin to build evil again. I think he needs something like that. There's too much going on on the single side for him to be anywhere near the conversation in any belt uh, conversation. But from now through the rest of the month, he's going to be the guy that's getting jobbed out for sure. Nick Wolf sent us a super chat. He says, bang around, Fale bangs around with blue shoes. So there you go. Thank you very much. Nick Wolf for that. Let's see. Let's keep on the LIJ train here. Sonata defeated Rev Pro British heavyweight champion Zack Sabre Jr. in a super fun match. I really dug this. This is probably my second favorite match of the evening. Um, look, I, I always preface, whenever I talk about Zack Sabre Jr. matches, I always preface this. I, I don't understand half of what uh, Zach does. I, I honestly don't. I, you know, I talk about counters, uh, holds, moves. Uh, probably if Sean were here, ostensibly, he could probably guide you through it a little more. But, oh boy, um, I, yeah, I just want to. I just want to make sure that we clarify this. But it doesn't mean I don't appreciate what he does. And early on, I appreciate that uh, Junior gets Sonata. Uh, in holds early on, gets him done for some joint manipulation. Sonata tries to counter out, but Junior is one step ahead of him uh, until um, uh, until Sonata flips out of a type of a surfboard move and just backs away from Junior. You know, and that it was a hell of an initial sequence. And then there's another sequence where they try to roll each other up, and uh, and another bit sub story here to the entire story of the match is that is. Uh, um, is uh, Sonata trying to get Zack Sabre Jr. in a paradise lock, but J- Jr.'s like, screw you, man. You're not getting me in this. This is this is baby stuff, you know? <laughs> um, I liked at some point, and, you know, this is this is where, uh, where Sabre's character work is so, so good. Sonata go, asks him for a test of strength, you know? He goes, and uh, so, so, you know, they the, the, the lock in, they do a knuckle lock, but... Junior just boots his way out of it, and he sort of rolls his eyes like, I'm above this shit. I, excuse me. Um, he says, I'm above all of this. I, yeah, Junior, Junior is the, is the penultimate jerk. He's the, uh, the I, I think uh, Kevin Kelly called him the petulant child. He's, he's fantastic. Not only is his, is his uh, technical, are his technical skills bar none, but his character work, John, is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and he's a ring general. I don't want to throw that word around a lot because I want to save it toward the end. But 
just the spot where Sonata hops or uh, Sonata gets him outside, jumps over the rope, and it looked like he was going to about to, or he was about he was about to run and do like flying knee somersault, whatever. Zack Saber Jr. just keeps walking around the corner. Like you're just, I know what you're about to do, and I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and I'm going to take it. And he's referenced that in promos in the past, where if you see a guy setting up for a big jump, you move. You just move. Just move. <laughs> and he plays that so well every match. I personally enjoy Zack Saber Jr. People don't like him as much as I do because they're not big fans of so, you know that sequential wrestling style. Uh, one thing leading into another, leading into a counter, leading to another, and the way they play back and forth. These two together, it, I was a big fan of Gresham and Zach in Ring of Honor, but these two just blew that match out of the out of the park, and they did it in two, uh, it, it, twice as much time. Twenty one minute match of, of mat wrestling? Are you kidding me? Including the ending sequence, which I, I'll let you go over, but unbelievable work rate from these two. The the amount of IQ that you need to be able to pull off. Uh, these types of counters and these types of moves and keep it as fluid as they did was just absolutely outstanding. Uh, what else can be said? It was, it was art. It was an art form and it was a joy to watch. Junior gets, uh, gets uh, in control of Sonata with a straight jacket. This was a nice sequence here. He gets a nice straight jacket on Sonata and Sonata reverses it into a straight jacket of his own. And then Junior reverses it into a straight jacket of his own. And then eventually Sonata gets back into the straight jacket and Junior just sort of wriggles out of it, which I thought was kind of like when you wriggle out of a pair of skinny jeans, you know, right, John? I you don't. Out I, of- I, I, I wriggle out of uh, traditional fit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need skinny jeans to do that. Uh, I'm sure Zach Saber Junior wears skinny jeans. He so looks he- like the he looks like the type who does it. Totally I mean, right. not that there's anything wrong with wearing skinny jeans. You know, when I say that, it's the type, and it's, you know, don't <laughs> misconstrue me. <laughs> um you uh eventually Sonata does get the does tie Junior up in the uh, paradise lock using uh, u- using the ropes uh and of course does the drop kick uh, afterwards um uh, but Zack Sabre Jr man throughout this entire match he's he's locking on holds Sonata is doing his he's able to counter out but Junior always has the answer and you can feel that Sonata is always like trying to trying just trying his best to keep up and he's he's having a hell of a time trying to do it um after hitting a, a swinging skull end sonata goes for the moonsault but junior catches him into a triangle sonata fights out of it and hits a moonsault into the skull end which was really cool and then there's that fantastic series of pinning combinations at the very end that led to sonata getting the victory i loved the story they told here, which was essentially that junior maintained the pace, this entire match. It was as it was the Zack Sabre junior show. Sonata was part of it. He just did his damn best to counter out of the moves showing that he can, he can wrangle with him, but Sabre was always like one step ahead. And the way the match ended, you know, you kind of, I don't, I don't know how you feel about it, John, but the match, the, the the way the match ended was just like, well, Sonata got lucky tonight. He was just the better man. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Anytime you watch a Zack Sabre Jr. match, especially in New Japan Pro Wrestling, he is suffocating. It, no matter what you do, he's always going to have an answer for it. He's always going to figure out a way to be on your back or on your front with your head around his arm. Like he just, that's, that's his style in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he wins so often. Like you expect 
through professional storytelling and match layout for it to be that's going he's going to counter he's going to counter he's going to counter he's going to catch you along the way and then eventually he's not going to catch you and you're going to be able to hit your finish and you're going to be able to win every single time over the course of this year Zack Sabre Jr. has suffocated you suffocated you suffocated you and then figured out a way to put you in a position to submit to his uh, finish which I can never say um this time Sonata crafty enough to figure out a way to get the W himself, and he did it off the O'Connor Bridge. Hey, that just good wrestling. I think that 2019 is Sonata's year. I've with, told you this before, and I still believe it. I think at the bare minimum, he's going to end up IC champ at some point. There, I, go ahead. I'd like to see him leave LIJ. I, I think LIJ. Really? Yes, I think Shingo is uh, in a good position to pick up as the new tag team partner or to to work the single side for a while. 38 years old, he's not going to be around for a long time, but you have enough in LIJ, especially if um, Takahashi comes back, to, to, to keep LIJ moving in the right direction. You let, you let Sonata turn, and I don't care if it's uh, good versus bad or just faction versus faction. He could go to chaos and be a fan favorite for all I care and get tutelage from Okada and, and Tanahashi and all that. I don't care how they do it, but for him to get a jump, because everybody loves Sonata right now, right? And you can really have like a rock survivor series moment where he finally climbs the mountain and gets to that single title, that intercontinental championship. And then boom, he flips. And when he does the heat, that's going to be on him is going to be there. And, and from there, his trajectory will just take off. So I'd really like to see him leave at some point. Um, and it's just, it, there's just, he's just got so much potential to be one of the top guys. After his match, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. in his post-match comments said that technical uh, uh, p- putting on a technical wrestling performance for Americans is kind of like reading, reading Shakespeare to a dog. <laughs> God, I love that guy. He's the best. He is, you know, we, uh, you, nothing to, not taking anything away from, from, uh, from MJF, who's a fantastic heel in his own right, but... There's just a there's just a snide intellectualism elitism to what Saber does that makes him all the more infuriating. Uh, MJF is pompous and arrogant. Zack Saber Jr. is British, and British always comes across just the worst when they're talking about Americans. It's just how it is. Shout out to all our British viewers right now. It's a compliment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Kenta, in his first match in New Japan, defeated Kota Ibushi. There is some great, there is a great striking sequence at first between both of these guys that ends with Kenta taking Ibushi down to the mat. Ibushi gets himself back up. They're in the ropes. And Kenta gives him a slap across the face. But Ibushi gives him one of those, oh no, Ibushi's about to lose it looks, and lands him a blistering slap of his own. Says, you're going you're gonna to miss a tooth when I'm done with you, Kenta. Kenta rope hangs Ibushi on, uh, on, uh, on, the, uh, on the ropes. That's where you rope hang someone. And he hits a second rope knee drop to where, John? To the, the back, back of Ibushi's head. neck, right? Just nonstop there. Right, right. One time. Kenta, yes. Yeah, that's just one time during the match. 
Kenta gets some strike-ins and some good old-fashioned Kenta kicks. Like, honestly, early on in the match, you the, the way that they were laying into each other, you you sort of remembered. I was like, oh, okay, this is not Hideo Itami that we're dealing with right now. Oh, boy, the man is back. And um, he dropped some knees to the backs of Ibushi's head. And the crowd, again, super into this, but was really split, John, between... Kenta and Ibushi, the cheers were if if I you know, coming across in the from on TV, it was really 50-50. Yeah, I mean 13 years since uh, Kenta's been in New Japan, right? Uh we know about what the last five years for him has been, and then just his absolute destruction of of Noah when he was there. So to have him back in Japan, technically, uh <laughs> you know, in Japan and Dallas. Uh <laughs> and his first match back in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm really excited because I looked at this as like, how are they going to portray Kenta? Are we going to get a new Kenta? Has he learned something? Is it going to be Noah? Is, what, what are we going to get? And the fact that he went out there and he was just the exact same person that he was five years ago when he left Noah. And it was a reintroduction to, to who Kenta is as a wrestler. I hope it evolves over time because, you know, I've seen that side of it. But considering it's his first night back in this promotion, and he's going up against the Golden Star Kota Ibushi, who everybody seems to have winning this block, man, did he show up. He was hitting hard, high kicks to the back of the neck. He was doing spots on uh, outside, double knees or uh, double foot stomps uh, to the outside. He left nothing out there, and he went full bore the entire way, including the go to sleep at the end. Wow. You talk about uh, just coming in full guns a blazing and hitting expectation. Kenta did that tonight. Let's let's talk about what he did. Uh, Ibushi goes for a pescado, but it's countered by a knee from Kenta on the floor. Then Kenta drapes Ibushi over the barricade and does the double stomp off the apron on you guessed it, John Ibushi's neck again. Again, uh, Kenta gets him back into the ring, hits a hesitation drop kick in the corner, hits a coup de grace, and. Kenta had, he didn't give a crap about protecting uh, Ibushi on that double stomp off the top rope. He just landed really, landed on his face. Yep. Pegged him. Just Just He pegged him. Exactly. Um, There's a hell of a a striking sequence where Kenta hits a high kick. uh, Ends with him hitting a high kick. uh, And he just keeps delivering kick after kick to... Ibushi's neck, and he hits the uh, go to sleep to uh, to end it. And I mean, look, I think that if you're a rational wrestling fan, if those exist, <laughs> that's a mis- that's a mis- that's a misnomer right there. Um, if um, you know, if you think about it uh, logically, you could not not have Kenta lose his first match back especially in the context of the g1 but this is what surprised me john it's how dominant he was over kota ibushi who is a fantastic striker in his own right i mean these guys laid into each other but when i say these guys i mostly mean kenta ibushi was barely able to get anything in yeah i think that's the important part because what kota did get in he he laid in there and he he received it just as far, just as much as he was giving it, um, but yeah, he didn't get a lot. Ken, this was the Kenta show. I'm inch, I'm going to be interested to see if this continues as he moves through. Is it just his first night back? 
So we're going to give him all the spots and we're going to let him go and tend to, or uh, Abuji just hold back all your offense. But man, d- d- every time I, I would turn around and look back, it was another hard strike coming in. It's probably somewhere in the vicinity of the upper chest, the head region of, uh, of Abushi. And it was just, it was on, it was, just so much fun to watch because again, like this is the Kento we know. This is the one that we thought WWE was getting, and see him come back and it looks like he's lost nothing in five years. You know, his he even looks done stronger. Um, yeah. You know, he he doesn't even he doesn't look as soft as he was. Either, you know, like body, body type. You know, he's, body, yeah. He seems a little leaner. He seems a little. Uh, he seems a little, uh, a little a little more put together because you know let, let you know. There's a there's a bunch of reasons why Kenta didn't work in WWE, and it's not you know a lot of people was oh will be you know he was nerfed. Yes, yes, to a certain extent, you know that one time he pulls out that that one time that he premieres on 205 Live and he pulls out the GTS and he breaks um, Brian Kendrick's eye socket. Like, yeah, you know what? We're gonna you're not gonna use that move for a while, there, friend. He's been injured. I mean, you know, that, that that's well documented. His injuries have kept him, you know, from getting the, the proper push. There's a lot of stories about his attitude backstage as well. You know, there's I think there's a combination of things that made that that made WWE ended up disappointed with what they thought they were getting and what they received. You know, like that that Amazon, you know, what you order on what you order online once you get it meme, you know. Um, but I mean, he's back in his element, back in an environment where he can go strong style, where he doesn't have to hold back on his kicks. I think he was motivated. He looked motivated. He looked good. And he, he just, he just, uh, beat the hell out of Kota Ibushi. John, where does the golden boy go from, from this point on the golden boy being Kota Ibushi? Oh yeah. Now he's going to go up. I mean, he might lose two matches and this is one of them. Right. Like he's probably he's definitely ending in the double digits. Uh, the fact that he signed a contract, even if it's just for one year, and we don't really know what the contract is. But um, the fact that he signed and he showed commitment to New Japan Pro Wrestling when he didn't have to, mm-hmm. they're going to push him pretty hard in this. Now, what does that mean? I'm not entirely sure. I like him for um, about 12, 12 points is where I have him. Um, it's very high side, top third. Uh, he'll lose. He lost to Kenta, which makes sense, and he can, you can aff- he can afford to lose to Kenta, right? Yeah, like, like there's no nothing wrong. The guy's coming back after five years of not being in Japan. Yeah, it's okay to take a loss. Uh, and then from there, he gets wins against Tanahashi. He gets uh, he get maybe gets a draw against Okada. Okay, he's back on the winning streak, and we move forward from here. Nobody's going to remember the fact that he lost to Kenta. You're just going to remember that Kenta won. Um, the way he did it was a little interesting because he did just, I mean, he owned that match for 20, 20 minutes. Uh, beaten up on uh, Bushi, but expect the Bushi to be in the conversation as the block as, as the block winner or the favorite for the block. Um, I don't see it personally, but he'll definitely be uh, there, causing some havoc on the last night. Yeah, I don't. There's like you said, there's a lot of people that are that have signed up to the uh, to the Ibushi train, saying that this is his. But it's, it's not. It's not. No. It's, Oh boy, and here we're at the main event. And was Dallas ready for this one? Holy crap. IWGP heavyweight champion Kazuchika Okada defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi in a an electric match. 
I think that's the only definition. That's the only that's that's the appropriate word here. Everything that they did resonated with the entire audience. This was something special. This is something that I was like, man, I would have really liked to would have really liked to have been there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get torched for this, but it was Rock Hogan. You know, like that. It, to me, it had that that it had that feel, right? And I thought it came across well uh, from the crowd. The crowd seemed to know the importance of these two going against each other, especially in the G1. But you talk the seven year history. You know what really brought New Japan to where it is now is these two and the matches that they've been able to put on uh, in and out of Wrestle Kingdoms, the G1s, them winning the blocks against each other, and go like there is no better rivalry in wrestling today than Okada versus Tanahashi anywhere, let alone in the G1, let alone opening night in America. Like Kevin was, Kelly, even uh, he said it was like the the Celtics and the Lakers. They actually did a fantastic job. I mean, we always know Kevin Kelly does a fantastic job, but to, to even just kind of bring people into the like the, the knowledge of how big of a match, the magnitude of this type of match is, with very little words. I speak a lot. They don't speak at all, and they're going to be able to sell it better than I ever can. The fact of the matter is, is that it had all the classic, uh, the, the whole match had had all the classic things that you, you hope to see from Okada versus uh, Tanahashi. The fact that for seven years, they've learned how to beat one of another and counter each other the next match, right? Mm-hmm, they don't mm-hmm. learn it. They lose in the first match. They learn from it. And then the next match, it won't happen again, or they'll have a counter ready for it. Uh, the fact that they isolate body parts, and sometimes it's the shoulder, and sometimes it's the knee, and sometimes it's the arm, and it's the fingers, and it's the hands. This Today, it was Okada's right knee, right? And that's where we're going to focus our entire show is on Okada's right knee because that's never been done before. And we've worked 15 ligaments, and this is the one that we're going to work tonight. <laughs> and they and it's a callback to what they've been doing for the last seven years, except now they're seven years smarter than they were. And so you just get this evenly paced. It picks up right at the eight-minute mark, and it, and it builds from there. You don't know where it's going to go. They have these uh, uh, teasing spots, but it's never back-to-back. Right, like there's always a build to the high fly or high fly flow outside, right? And then they bring them back in, and boom, rainmaker, and then rainmaker again. But it's not the spinning rainmaker; it's not the one that they load up and then hit. Nope. But we're gonna hold his wrist, and then we're gonna let Tanahashi come back. I'm gonna let you walk through because you're a hell of a lot better than that than I am. But from a storytelling element, these are the nuances of these types of matches that they've been putting on for seven years that they executed to perfection tonight, and I was absolutely thrilled with it. I, um, I'm actually wondering, you know, you were talking, you know, talking about, okay, this is the limit, you know, we're going to work, we're going to work Okada's uh, knee tonight because we haven't, the right one, because we haven't worked it in the, uh, you know, the past 15 matches that we've had. You think, you think Ghetto has like, yes. like a, a chart, he has a chart, yeah. an anatomy, you know, he's like, he has the, he has a full body picture of Okada, full body picture of Tanahashi and he scratches one off when they use it. It's and like, dates it and they both sign it. So they both understand. <laughs> yeah, everyone signs it off. It's like, yeah, we can't use it again. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, he does. Yes, he does. There you go. That's some insider stuff right there, folks. Uh, they go strong style on each other after some feeling out. <clears throat> they uh, they avoid a whole bunch of signature offense. That leads to a stalemate. But the crowd, man, is eating it up. WWE wishes they could get that kind of energy off of two guys not being able to land their offense on each other. 
Tanahashi gets in control until he goes up top and eats a dropkick from Okada that sends him to the floor, and he DDTs Tana on the floor. They get back in the ring, and there's a fun little moment with Red Shoes who wouldn't count when uh, when Okada did a very arrogant cover, just put his foot, you know, and he goes like this, and and he he starts mocking he starts mocking uh, the Rainmaker. I thought that was a fun move, and it was also a callback earlier in the evening, right? I think it was Fale who uh, who did an arrogant pin. I think it was on uh, on Evil, yeah, and then the referee. It wasn't Red Shoes, but the referee wouldn't wouldn't count it. So at least at least there's some modicum of consistency amongst mm-hmm. New Japan refs. Very good refs. A modicum of consistency. They're, they're consistent in their inconsistencies. Yes, yes, me. Um, uh, uh, Tanahashi hits a nice somersault senton off the second rope. Uh, Okada fights back and hits another DDT. Tana, uh, Tana tries to get on, uh, tries to get one on top of him, but he eats a flapjack instead. And at this stage, look at this stage, John, I'm thinking to myself, they, they're, they're working, they're working a very methodical pace. I'm thinking they're going, they're going for the 30 minute. You would call the draw on this one on your predictions. And I was thinking, man, John is right. Look at how they're building so slowly. They're, they're definitely going for the 30 minute draw here. Well, they've always drawn. That's the thing. Like, this is their fourth time meeting in the G1. And this is the only one that didn't end in a draw. So the last three times they met, 30 minutes the distance every single time. And it's always been for a block win. Like, so, again, I thought they were going to go that way because why not? Because who wouldn't want to see a Tanahashi Okada draw? Um, happy with the way it did end. It'll let you get to that. But uh, Kevin Kelly, again, strong, strong performance tonight, reminding people or educating people on the fact that you know, in the history of the G1 that these guys have been a part of, they're a half a point on average away from each other, each G1, as well as they, they've gone the distance in their own matches three separate times. So uh, hats off to them for that big fight feel from these two. Uh, the way, and again, uh, other promotions can do this, but not to this level of consistency, because again, you're talking seven years with the same two guys, but they know exactly when to stop and pause and let the crowd have the moment. Mm-hmm. And they know where to look. And then the cameras know then who to shoot in on. And that first uh, set, uh, what four minutes where they were countering back and forth and then stalemating, and they just they just let it breathe, right? And you talk about the timing in professional wrestling. It does not get any better than Okada Tanahashi in the first five or six minutes because they understand the gravity of 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 that type of match and they whew, they hit it on all cylinders well, i mean these are two guys who have carried the company in their own right you know uh mm-hmm. you know tanahashi carried new japan during some of its darkest years mm-hmm. okada okada is directly responsible for its renaissance as well i mean you know there's you couldn't expect anything less from two legends two what are we talking about like pillars yeah. Of Japanese wrestling at this point here, Oats, man, for sure. Um, Okada at some point hits a, a dragon screw leg whip on Ta- on Tanahashi, but Tanahashi says, "Yeah, yeah, I'll show you how it's done, boy." And he j- he just went to town on on uh, on his uh, on his knee with uh, with some leg whips, some inverted dragon screw leg whips as well. Good call on Kevin Kelly calling back to uh, to the damage that Tanahashi did to uh, Minoru Suzuki last year in the G1. I thought that was a neat callback. Um, uh, there, at some point, Okada does the Rainmaker pose. Tana rolls him up. 
and hits an inverted dragon screw leg whip right there. Um, Tana's game plan is clear here. Uh, Okada has to go to the outside to take a breather. And that's where Tanahashi hits the high fly flow from the top rope to the floor. And I can't stress enough, folks, that this is not good on his body regardless. And he is a man that doesn't need to do it. If he's doing it, he's doing it out of passion and love of what he's doing. By God. By God. Uh, he hits, we get back into the ring. Nice little sequence here that was I thought was a lot of fun. Tanahashi hits a twist and shout. But Okada counters back with a shotgun dropkick. Tana com- comes back with a sling blade. blade. <laughs> Okada hits a dropkick and a tombstone. It was a fantastic quick sequence from both guys. Yeah, classic. It just hits like that. You want to talk about what they're known for, right? Their signature moves back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Super fluid. Uh, both of them just fantastic work there. There's a uh, dragon suplex bridge that um, that uh, Tanahashi hits on Okada. Uh, Tana avoids a couple of rainmakers by slugging Okada down to his knees, but Okada brings it all to an end, hitting the spinning tombstone and a proper rainmaker. Because there were a couple, like you said, a couple of phonies, the non-spinning short arm lariats. Let's call them that. And that's that. Okada gets his first two points on the board. And uh, we've gushed on the match. What does Okada getting two points here and Tanahashi getting zero straight off the bat? How does that change the perception that we might have of the G1 going forward, or at least an A block? Well, it takes Tanahashi out of the conversation for winning, right? In my opinion. Uh, the narrative coming into this was whether it's going to be Ibushi or it's going to be Okada or it's going to be Tanahashi. Uh, looking at that first match, I knew that they were going to run that one right. That's why I thought it was going to be a draw. It made sense for me to think it was going to be a draw. That way they kind of keep it. But now, you know, Tanahashi now needs to not only uh, out or, uh, equal um, Okada the rest of the way, but then he's also got to outpace him by one match, right, mm-hmm. or one draw. And that's a tall order from a guy that literally has had the redemption story and the build back up to the Rainmaker all of 2019 and is on fire right now. So I don't see how he's going to be able to beat him on points. And now he doesn't even have the tiebreaker anymore over top of him. It's a tough, tough spot for him to be in. It, to me, really brings it down to now it's Ibushi and Okada in the A block moving forward. Tanahashi's going to have a great performance. He's probably going to get 12 12 points, right? He might get 14 points, but he's not going to get the uh, the tiebreaker over Okada, which means he's effectively now out of the uh, block A, in my opinion. This was a fun show. It was really, really, really a fun show. Even, you know, I sort of sighed and groaned and uh, at uh, Bad Luck Folly versus Evil, but it wasn't even that bad. It's just in comparison to everything, which was really, really great. This is one of these shows, folks, that you do have to go out of your way to, to take a look. Sign up to New Japan World. It's worth it just to w- watch this. Enjoy the G1. If this is the first time you're getting into the G1, like uh, John said earlier on, this is the best time of year to do it. And uh, since we probably won't have a, the opportunity, or yeah, I'm just assuming, that we won't have the opportunity to talk about the uh, the G1, um, or at least prediction-wise here on on Fightful John, um, I personally have, I think this is uh, Naito's year. I think he's going to win B block and I think he's going all the way. I think he's going to, 
end up in the Wrestle Kingdom main event. Uh, who's who's going to win A Block then, in your opinion? In my uh, in my opinion, it's Okada. I think Okada sticks. I think so. so you think so? You think that the that the finals of the G one will probably basically be the Wrestle Kingdom main event. You want you want me to walk you through it? Sure. Okay. I have Okada coming out of Block A. I have Jay White coming out of Block B. I think we get that story one more time. I think in that instance, Okada wins. And when now Okada, for the first time ever in G in the uh, the history of the G one, uh, gets to choose his challenger at Wrestle Kingdom. In which case, now he goes after Naito, and that five that four or five year story arc that leads back to back when Naito first won his first briefcase, we can bring uh, finality to that overall. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It's funny. I don't see Jay White winning. I don't think they're going to go back to that source. But hey, we'll see how it we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. John, I want to thank you very much for uh, for 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 joining us here this evening. Why don't you let the good folks know where they can find you? your podcast, social media, all that good stuff. Yeah. First, Warren, thank you for the invite on coming on and thank you Fightful for allowing me to come on. Um, Been a fan for a long time. I am a Patreon member. I have my shirt and everything. Um, By the way, if you, if you are going to become a Patreon member and you stick around to get that shirt, just know any size, any color, any logo is yours. So in that instance, there is custom, uh, customizable options. If you make it to the six month mark, uh, whatever tier that is. Um, so thank you for allowing me to come on. There's a plug for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at big Pauls on a pup, as well as at NPA podcast, where I just kind of goof around and, and write things about wrestling. Um, at the same time, every Wednesday, I drop a new episode of no particular angle. It's a show about nothing. It's we'll, Seinfeld. Yeah. But we'll talk about anything. We'll pick one promotion, one storyline, something about wrestling, and we'll focus the show around that. Different promotions, stardom being one of the big ones for me. Uh, NJPW, um, WWE from time to time, uh, Shimmer, Rise, uh, interviews with with different women wrestlers come on all the time. My focus is I want to try to educate, entertain on all aspects of wrestling, not just one thing. Thus, no particular angle. Well, there you go. Uh, and so you should go check it out. It's a fun show. Uh, and, uh, and John is, he, he, he's a good guy. He knows his stuff. You will be entertained and educated as for why uh, hanging out with Warren Hades. Well, you'll, you know, you might get a, you might get a rash. So <laughs> you can follow me on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes or at on Twitter at Mr. Warren Hayes. But I want to thank everyone for joining us live here this evening and watching, uh, listening to our recap Support Fightful. Head on over to Fightful Select and become a member. You can get free, you can get the color T-shirt you want, like John said, and a bunch of other stuff. It's a lot of fun. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.